terror has struck many parts of our world. Do you realize the Bible predicted a reign of terror for our time in history? It also gives the cause and the eventual solution to the problem. Consider just a few of the many acts of terror in recent years. In early 2014, a gang of knife-wielding terrorists entered a train station in Kunming, China, and killed at least 33 and bloodied another 143 terrified people. In early 2015, two gunmen entered the Paris offices of a satirical weekly newspaper, and before their frightening reign was over, and that of their accomplices, 16 victims lay dead, and another 20 were wounded. In late 2015, a Russian passenger jet was blown out of the sky by terrorists. More than 40 people were killed by a suicide bomber in Lebanon, and vicious coordinated attacks killed or injured more than 425 people in Paris. Remember the 168 who were killed in a series of attacks over a four-day period in Mumbai, India in 2008? And what about the Chechen militants who entered a school in the Russian Federation city of Beslan and for three days held over 1,100 people hostage? When the dust settled, 385 lay dead, including 186 innocent children. Transportation systems in Madrid and London were bombed in 2004 and 2005, respectively, killing, wounding, and terrifying many. A gunman barged into the Parliament building in Ottawa, Canada, in an attempt to wreak havoc and possibly assassinate the Prime Minister after killing a guard outside. These examples only scratch the surface of the problem facing our 21st century world. Many more could be cited, but what is evident is that terrorism and its fear is a problem for virtually all countries as our world sinks into greater ethnic, religious, and personal conflicts. The world has always seen violence, and our age is not the first to be confronted by random acts of brutality as well as more targeted acts, but terrorism is on the rise. Why? Where is it headed? What can be done about it? And when will terrorism end? Stay tuned. Welcome to Tomorrow's World, where we give you the reasons behind today's news. We are entering a frightening time in world history. Ethnic and religious tensions are leading to more and more violence. Terrorism is clearly on the rise. Civil wars and wars against neighbors are also on the rise. While many terrorist attacks are targeted against specific individuals, many more attacks are against soft targets where people have lost their lives simply because they happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. They were doing the things normal people do, shopping, working, going to school, going out for a night at the opera, visiting a museum or attending a summer camp. 
Do you realize this was all predicted long ago in the pages of the Bible? And that the cause as well as the solution to our problems are also given there? In the book of Leviticus, the third book found in the Bible, God told ancient Israel that if they obeyed Him, they would be wonderfully blessed. Notice a few of these blessings. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. And you shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely. These are just a few of the blessings listed as a result of obedience, but I think you get the point without me reading further. However, beginning in verse 14, we find a much longer list of curses that would come on these people if they rejected God's rule over them. But if you do not obey me, and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors my judgments, so that you do not perform all my commandments, but break my covenant, I also will do this to you. Now what do you suppose is the very first thing God declared He would do to them if they despised His statutes? The answer to this question is found in the remainder of verse 16. I will even appoint terror over you, wasting disease and fever which shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart, and you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. Few people today realize the profound significance of this short statement. Most who read it think it only applies to the Jews who lived more than 3,000 years ago, but this is a very costly mistake for a number of reasons. First, the Bible shows us God's attitude toward any who reject His loving commandments. In effect, it reveals the mind of God. Any nation that despises His commandments will suffer consequences as a result. But also, few people understand to whom it was that these words were spoken, in the time frame in which they are to be understood. While the Bible is the most printed and published book in the history of the world, only a small minority of those who own a Bible actually read it. That's why most people think the terms Jew and Israel are synonymous. After all, isn't the very small Jewish state found on the eastern shore of the Mediterranean Sea known as Israel? To learn more about today's topic, visit www.twcanada.org to read or order your free copy of The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy. You can also order by calling us at 1-866-784-7895. You will also receive a free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine. Call 1-866-784-7895. Call today. Now please stick with me because there's an important distinction that is generally not understood and it has everything to do with what you see in your evening news, whether you live in Hong Kong, or Mumbai. While it is true that the Jewish people are Israelites, not all Israelites are Jews. And it's impossible to properly understand what is happening in our world without understanding the full identity 
of the Israelite race. Israel is simply the name of Abraham's grandson. His original name was Jacob, but God changed it to Israel and gave amazing promises to his offspring that would carry down to our very day. To simplify the discussion, Israel had 12 sons. One was named Judah, and he was the father of the Jews. These 12 sons multiplied until they were several million strong. But as happens in many families, they experienced internal conflict. The result was that the descendants of 10 of the brothers withdrew from the Jews and became known as the House of Israel. The children of another brother, Benjamin, threw in their lot with the Jews, and together they became known as the House of Judah. Then Rezan, king of Syria, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, kings of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to war. And they besieged Ahaz, who was the king of Judah, but could not overcome him. At that time, Rezan, king of Syria, recovered Elath to Syria, and drave the Jews from Elath. And the Syrians came to Elath and dwelt there unto this day. Frankly, anyone who reads the books of Kings and Chronicles should understand this simple fact. But it is almost entirely lost on most people and the implications for our world, what is happening in our news, and what is going to happen in our future are totally misunderstood. Here's why, and here's why it should matter to you. The Bible gives us the overview of history, but the Bible is primarily a book about the descendants of Abraham. His descendants are fighting and warring today in the Middle East, and powerful nations can't seem to stay out of the fight. The United States, Russia, Britain, France, and numerous other European, Asian, and African countries are being drawn in. And do I have to point out that the situation is only getting worse? Some voices are even claiming that World War III has already begun. About 2,500 years ago, God prophesied through the prophet Zechariah that the conflicts occurring right now in the Middle East and North Africa are going to escalate to the point of involving all nations. Consider that Zechariah speaks of a time when Jerusalem would become the focal point of end-time conflict. Notice this in Zechariah, the 12th chapter, beginning in verse 2. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all the nations of the earth are gathered against it. This is further confirmed in the 14th chapter, where it gives us a time setting as that of the day of the Lord. This expression, day of the Lord, refers to the time of the end of man's misrule and the time of God's direct intervention and world affairs. Here beginning in verse 1 we read, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. It is at this time that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is to return to this earth to save the Jews 
and to take over the rulership of the whole world. Notice again. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as He fights in the day of battle. And in that day His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. Christ's return will prevent the annihilation of the Jews, but also the annihilation of all intelligent life from the earth. What's happening today in the Middle East as it relates to the tiny nation of Israel is central to the future of our world, but it's only part of a much greater picture. It is only as we understand the identity of the other nations of Israel, the so-called Lost Ten Tribes, that we can understand the world order as it currently stands, and what to expect in the very near future. Where are these ten tribes? And should who they are matter to you? Have they simply disappeared and been absorbed among the nations? Or are they alive, intact, and significant players on the world scene? How have they affected your life if you live in Hong Kong or India? And how will they affect you in the future? The answers may surprise you. Before his death, Israel called his twelve sons to appear before him, and he prophesied what would become of them, not in their immediate future, but in the latter days, our time today. We read this in the 49th chapter of Genesis, beginning in verse 1. And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Jacob, remember his name was changed to Israel, then went on to describe what would become of his son's descendants at the end of the age. Among the tribes, Judah and Joseph are significant in that Judah was promised an unending line of kings, and Joseph was promised great birthright blessings. This is not to say that the other tribes are unimportant or insignificant, but I'll stay mostly focused on these two sons. This is what we are told about them in 1 Chronicles 5. Judah prevailed over his brothers, and from him came a ruler, although the birthright was Joseph's. Yes, Judah, that is the Jews, are very prominent in the world today, even though they are small in number compared to the rest of humanity. One can truly say their influence is immensely greater than their numbers should indicate. Israel's end-time prophecy for them tells us, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people." That's in Genesis 49, verse 10. And it's a clear reference to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But we also see other predictions regarding the Jews at this time. Israel also predicted in verses 8 and 9 that the Jews would possess significant military power. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? Anyone who takes on the Jewish state will be going up against a tiny nation with a well-trained and well-equipped army and air force that possesses nuclear weapons that can be delivered from the air, land, or sea. 
But Jacob gave the largest space in his end-time prophecy to his son Joseph, where it describes a group of people who would spread out across the world and possess abundant natural resources and great military strength. The description of Joseph begins in verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. But his bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your father who will help you, and by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breast and of the womb. The blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who is separate from his brothers. Now if the prophecies referring to the Jews can be seen today, how could such blessings on the head of Joseph be lost on the world scene? There's a wealth of evidence that shows that Joseph is none other than the British and American descended peoples. This includes Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa. I don't have time to go into all the evidence on this program, but we have literature that will go into much greater depth on this subject. The 19th and 20th centuries were primarily ruled by Britain and America, but the Northwestern European countries also make up the so-called Lost Ten Tribes. These would include the Netherlands, France, Belgium, Switzerland, and the Scandinavian countries. But what does all this have to do with terrorism? As I read earlier, God warned Israel, not the Jews only, but all the nations that make up modern day Israel, but if you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes, I will even appoint terror over you. Have these nations rejected God's rule over them? And have they come to the point of despising His commandments? The answer is an unequivocal yes. The Jewish state is essentially a secular state, as is France and the Scandinavian countries. The United States has turned its back on its religious heritage and has wiped the Ten Commandments off its monuments and out of its institutions. Starting the day with prayer was once common in schools across the United States, Canada, and Britain but no more. In 1964, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled against such practices. Homosexuality was once viewed as immoral and contrary to the Bible, but today in most of these countries, same-sex marriage is legal and promoted by the media, in schools, and even by many members of the clergy. Given the rejection of God and the despising of His commandments, should the events of 9-11 surprise us? Should the Charlie Hebdo attacks in France come as a surprise? Should the bombing of bus and rail service in London shock us? We were warned of the consequences of rejecting God long ago. To learn more about today's topic, visit www.twcanada.org to read or order your free copy of The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy, 
You can also order by calling us at 1-866-784-7895. You will also receive a free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine. Call 1-866-784-7895. Call today. What about terrorism in non-Israelite countries? That's on the rise as well. The Bible reveals to us how God thinks, and His patience is clearly running out on a world that has rejected Him. While He has been patient with man, the Bible reveals that there is a time when He will intervene more directly in the affairs of man, and that time is imminent. Matthew 24 records Jesus' Olivet Prophecy. In it, He describes the events that take place at the end of the age. Notice his question asked by his disciples, beginning in verse 3. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered that the end of the age will be marked, first of all, by a significant increase in religious deception. He warns us that many would actually use his name, calling themselves Christian, but would deceive many. The next sign is found in verses 6 and 7 and explains why we see terrorism in all parts of the world. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. The original Greek word that is translated into the English word nation is ethnos meaning ethnic, race, or tribe. The God who blessed the Israelite nations is now withdrawing His blessings from them, and this is creating power vacuums in many regions, especially the Middle East. Without a world policeman, ethnic and tribal tensions are rising all over the world, and when you throw in radical religion, you have a toxic mix. These are not normal times. So where is all this headed? What will be the outcome? In Jesus' Olivet Prophecy, He tells us, And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. That's in verse 22 of Matthew 24. In other words, unless a higher power steps in to stop the madness, all life would be extinguished from planet Earth. That is where we are headed. But there is good news. The God who created life on this earth is going to return to save us and set up a harmonious kingdom of peace and prosperity for all. We are in for a very rough time in the years ahead, but there is truly good news to follow. Zechariah 14 describes the final climactic battle that is going to take place between the nations of this earth and the returning Jesus Christ. But when we speak of the end of the age, we're not talking about the end of mankind. It's the end of the world as we know it, with all our wars and woes. Yet even after man's armies are defeated, it's going to take some time for nations of the earth to get the message. The end of Zechariah explains how the triumphant Christ is going to get man's attention. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem 
to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. If the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. God will deal with mankind in the only language He seems to understand, not because God hates us, but because He loves us. After rehearsing the Ten Commandments with the children of Israel, God made the following statement found in Deuteronomy 5, verse 29. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments. Why? That it might be well with them and with their children forever. As a loving parent, God only wants the best for us. But man acts as a rebellious teenager who thinks he knows more than the one who brought him into the world. So for our good, God has let us go our own way, and that way has brought nothing but heartache and suffering. The Israelite nations of America, Britain, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and the tiny nation called Israel, and the northern democracies of Europe were given the Ten Commandments to be a way of life. Even today, these nations have more Bibles than any other book, but they failed to read and live by its instructions. God warned them that terror would be the result. And because mankind in general despises God's commandments, terrorism has come to all nations and will continue until we finally learn the lesson. Only then can the Creator of all living give us peace and harmony that we desire. If you would like to learn more about why the world is the way it is today, go to our website that will be shown momentarily to read or download our informative publication, The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy. It will explain the world order over the last two centuries and why the world is taking a dangerous turn today. It will explain why a small island nation could have the largest empire known to man controlling territory far greater than itself. It will explain why countries and territories such as India and Hong Kong were blessed under British rule. And it will explain how their demise is going to impact your world as well. Be sure to check out our publication, The United States and Great Britain and Prophecy. And be sure to come back next week at the same time to learn the reason behind today's news and the good news of tomorrow's world. See you next time right here. To learn more about today's topic, visit www.twcanada.org to read or order your free copy of The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy. It unlocks the biblical key to understanding the future of many nations including Canada. You can also order by calling us at 1-866-784-7895. Call 1-866-784-7895. Or by writing to us at Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 409, Mississauga, Ontario, L5M0P6. You will also receive a free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine 
revealing God's principles for living an abundant and happy life while providing insight into current and future events. At our website, you can also watch this and many more Tomorrow's World programs. Call 1-866-784-7895. Call, write, or visit us online today. This program is a production of The Living Church of God.